Hey, what's up? Uh, we're the School of Rock, and this song was written by our own Zach Mooneyham. Welcome to the Film Look Podcast, where we break down films, learn from the pros, and try to become better filmmakers along the way. Um, I am actor Rick Blue, currently starring in College of Conga. Today with me, I've got Rob Red, star of Education of EDM, and we've got Chris Carkey here, leading in the movie University of Reggae. Yeah, we're going to do School of Rock today. Welcome to the Film Look Podcast. I was wondering what was going on, like. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I tried to find how we could put it in. I thought, well, we're all starring in our own films. We've all got our own Jack Black, so I'm Rick Blue, you're Rob Red, and he's Chris Cargy. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of School of Rock, it's University of Reggae, Education of EDM, College of Conga. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> um, before we get onto it, I did see the musical of this. Oh, you did? Right? Yeah, yeah, I saw the musical in London. And unfortunately, I mean, it was great. It was wicked, first of all. Went for Lucy's birthday. Um, and the kid at the end who plays Zach, you know, like they do a big sweet jump and he does like a power slide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, power slide, tripped over, landed on his guitar, broke half of his strings. He got up. He was limping back continued with it and then they had to like pause the performance and the guy who plays the Jack Black character came out and was like can you give us 20 minutes we just need to see if he's alright and then <laughs> and then <laughs> obviously there was a stand in well, what's what's a stand in in theatre called? when the un- understudy the understudy came in and um, he was uh, <laughs> you could see at the beginning because the the play the show had almost finished and he's coming in fresh and he was probably like <laughs> super nervous but then when the song started playing he probably got into it and he was wicked they were both wicked yeah really wow. good show that, I've never heard of that happening really it's such a such a big West End performance right um, yeah. Ah, that, does that not make for a more unique experience of the show? Like, you're never going to forget oh, that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, exactly. As soon as it happened, me and Lucy were like, oh, man. But then it's like, well, that's never going to happen again. Hopefully, fingers crossed. What was it like? I've always wondered, because I, I wanted to see it as well. Do they play the same songs that are in the film, or do they have the same Pretty much. Different... There's some extended stuff that's more musical. So there's like a song called You're in the Band, where they get everyone together. It's like, ba 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 you're in the band. Mm. And then they go to the next guy, Zach plays guitar, you're in the band. It's something like that. I'm paraphrasing in musical terms. It sounds like a, a really good like sing-along one, especially if you know the... It is really, yeah. Like, if you like School of Rock the film, it's, it's, they've, they've translated it quite well. Mm-hmm. The only difference is the guy who was playing the Dewey character um, will get onto it in, in the pod... And it's the main thing that makes Jack Black's performance really good and makes him a good guy. So maybe we should just, um, should we start just talking about School of Rock? Let's do it. <laughs> we already are. <laughs> well, let's rock. Nice. <laughs> right, School of Rock. Uh, it stars Mr. Jack Black and is directed by what's he called Richard Linklater yep um, and the, the synopsis on IMDB is after being kicked out of his rock band Dewey Finn becomes a substitute teacher in an uptight elementary private school only to try and turn his class into a rock band I suggested it this week 
partly because it's on, now on Netflix, or at least on British Netflix, and secondly because I do believe it's one of the greatest films of all time. I am going to go and put it on the line. I'm going to give this an 11 out of 10. This is by far oh, turned it up to 11. the very best film. <laughs> Turn up to, mate, you've got these like... This is by far the very best film we've ever done on the podcast. Strong words. And we did Raiders Lost Ark in a test one before, and that's mm -hmm. my favourite film. Yeah. This is the best film ever. Is it, is it better than Moon? <laughs> no. <laughs> ah, you've turned it around. You've turned it around. <laughs> Clever. Uh, K-Dog, why don't you tell us your little history on this? Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I love this film. I do think it's it's... A perfect film it sets out exactly like it achieves what it's set out to do um it's great for kids it's great for adults it's got a great message it's got a great soundtrack and what i really love about this film is that like i, I rewatch this all the time but what i love about it it's just the stakes are so low in this film <laughs> like it makes for such an easy and hot like such a kind of comfort film like that's there's no world ending stuff no one's ending relationships. No one's going to prison. It's just about a guy trying to put a band together and play a music show. And it just makes yeah. for such... And they execute that perfectly. And it just makes... It's such a great comfort film. And um, yeah, and I remember <laughs> you watching... You got the Hoover on, mate. You what? Is someone vacuuming next door? Oh, can you hear that? That's just my, someone's, my, my laptop taking someone's off. Someone's computer's going mad. <laughs> I'll, move that away Sorry, from the, I'll move that away from the mic there. There you go. Hopefully it calms down in a bit. <laughs> can you hear that? Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, now. Sounds <laughs> like you're on a plane. It's like, it's like you're at the airport, mate. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> no, it's still the same. Just, just go with it. Just run with it. Keep going. Uh, I don't know what I was going to say. But anyway, yeah, I've watched this so many times. I know every single beat. I know every single line. I know every single joke. But I still enjoy it every single time I watch it. Had you seen it before? You've seen it before, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, Of course yeah. you have. You've talked about it loads. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Robert? Had you seen this before? Hold yeah. on. You all right? Go. Just, just don't really can't. So I've seen this film way too many times. And you know what? I don't know why I keep watching it. Because, you know, the kids are annoying. Jack Black's annoying. The song's annoying. And Richard Linklater, he doesn't make any good films at all, does he? If we're really honest. <laughs> it must be opposite day to day. Am I detecting a, a hint of sarcasm in your, um, in your tone? You know, I've already seen this like <laughs> seven, eight, nine times. You know, I keep going back to it and trying to find what is like something good about it and that <laughs> kind of do it. Kind of do it. So one out of ten. Nah, I'm kidding. Um, this is the... Um, oh, no, I got used to oh that. Yeah. Yeah. Thing oh is, right, God. you can't even, like, act. No actor could act, like, pretending not to like this film. Like, you, you wouldn't win an Academy Award because we all knew you would be lying because this is... It's just... It's just fun. It is. I mean, I, I do actually have some negative things, which I'm like, why do we... Or some questions of, like, why do we like this character so much? Oh, good. He's Good. such a horrible guy. He's so selfish, but we do. I feel like I can answer that. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about last night and, and I can as well. And you you get like these moments as well of this main character of like, he, he, he just helps everyone along the way, like achieve and be better. And he's trying to achieve and be better. And I'm going to, obviously, I have to mention Richard Linklater again, because in the last year I've went through his entire catalogue of films and, and watched them all. And every film is, 
is brilliant. It's different. Absolute gold. Yeah, it's just, I think within Richard Linklater out next to Christopher Nolan, um, you know, Tarantino for me, you know, I think, you know, in terms of directors, I think they'll all give you something different and they'll go in my like top five. He would easily because he doesn't make bad films. The Before Trilogy, if you've not seen that, um, you know, Boyhood was just an absolute, you know, who even who even thinks that up that shoot a film over 12 years, you know? Um, yeah. Even the other film that he did with Jack Black, so Bernie, which was after this, um, is quite interesting based off a true story. So he's just an absolute, anything that he has coming out now, I'll, I'll go and see at the cinema. Anything he touches is gold, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I will go and see it. So I, this film, you like, it just rocks out, doesn't it? Oh, it certainly does. <laughs> so we're all giving it an 11 out of 10 then? Yeah, yeah. 10 out of level, spinal tap, whatever that is, you know, <laughs> class. Elevensies. Um, I just want to, yeah, I would say I agree. My favourite director for a while has been Richard Linklater. And I always forget that this film is like he directed this film because it's such an it's such an un Richard Linklater film. Um, normally his films are quite um, quirky and quirky and independent and kind of grown up. A lot of themes around sex and relationships and existential crises and all of that sort of stuff. But this is just not that at all. It's a, it's a family family film, and it's it's certainly its most popular film he's ever done because the other ones he's done, although critically. Um, well received. They're not the most popular of films. Um, well, they are in the odd. Not they're like they're not in the mainstream. Whereas this one is the most mainstream film you can think of. You, you don't you don't get characters like the uh, the Dewey is it Dewey 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 Dewey. Uh, Dewey Dewey character in any of his other films. Really, he's kind of like that in that in in Bernie, like I mentioned. But all the other characters are like quite subtle compared to like Jack Black and Jack Black. I mean, this, I've read a fact that this film was written for him, you know, and I don't think there's many other people that could do what he did in this film. Not a single person on earth. In terms of like how hyper you can get, you know, we've seen this in terms of like, like a Jim Curry, like, you know, going above and beyond, but in terms of the musical side as well, because what I noticed with this film, when they are playing the musical instruments, it's some, most of the time it's not cut, like it's a music video. It's all in one shot. Yep. Every that there's a there's like a three minute take where he's telling each kid to like play a certain note. Oh, it, I think it might even be longer, and it just keeps going around. And you're like, this is all one take. And each kid's in time. The Jack Black's in time with the jokes and delivering any, everything. I was thinking about this. You know that that question you proposed there, Rob, is why do we like this guy? Why do we feel like he's a hero, even though you know morally he's not doing things that are so great? Um. The first thing I want to talk about in terms of story is the protagonist's medicine. So every every main character in a film is sick in some way, not physically, or not, not so much mentally, but their character is flawed. And by the end of it, the film is going to turn them into a better version. And that medicine is what we're feeding to the audience. And we're caught in it in peanut butter. And the peanut butter is the fun of the plot. It's the entertainment. So what is the protagonist's medicine here? It's kind of like, okay, so we've got this flawed guy and we're forcing him to teach these kids about the greatest passion that he has and it helps him chip away at his own bad points and refines the skills that he does have. So by the end of the film, he knows his calling in life and that is to teach rock and roll and share his love with others. 
what other medicine did you guys get from this? Rob, go with Rob. Obviously, the beginning of this film, he gets he gets kicked out of his band and the reason he goes and teaches at the school is to get some money. He tricks his way into it. He finds his way into this situation, which um, which is quite interesting with this this type of film because we we see him get into the new world, which is the classroom. He's never normally been there. Um, within like the first 10 minutes, we, he's in the classroom in 10 minutes of the film, which is like quite quick. We're in there straight away. But he, he, like, he sneakily goes in there and it still takes him a little while to, you know, um, realise that the kids can play music. It's a couple of, couple of lessons in and he doesn't, he hears it and it's by chance. Everything is by chance that he, he gets into this. Um, but in terms of like, when he fi- when you find him at the end, and he's he's uh you know he's now a, a a school teacher. It's he always had to go through this journey to succeed. There was no he was probably never going to succeed as a musician, <laughs> and he just he he just didn't want to like face up to that. Yeah, it wasn't about him being a professional musician and making the greatest music ever. It was about him inspiring others to do it. Like that that is his unique selling point that is his superpower in this film isn't it it's the fact that he never loses his passion for music no matter what he he, um, manipulates everyone like until the very last when when he gets caught essentially so when he gets caught um, like about lying and everything that's the only time when he's like he's he's actually generally sorry but he's probably hasn't he doesn't realise until that point where He's like, man, you know what? I was doing something that I really loved and the way I got here was the way I got here and he kind of forgot about that. He forgot that he wasn't, you know, this guy. And then, you know, when he loses everything, I mean, the kids do come to his rescue, which is a really nice touch because they've learned to trust him and no one else has. And then eventually everyone comes along. So it's kind of like, actually one one good line that I really like. Um, So he got kicked out of his band and then uh, the uh, at the very very end, he goes. The kid, the the guitarist, goes. No, you sing the song, and it's just like because it wasn't it wasn't his band. It was a kid's band, and it was yeah, it was a proper teary eye moment. Beautiful, and beautiful that, moment. And actually, you know, when he's uh, when he's setting up the the kids for the in the classroom for this um, this school project. And he goes, well, no, I'm going to be the lead singer. And then they go, well, what it, I thought it was a school project. Why is it? It's only for kids. And he's like, you're kicking us out of the band. And so there's loads of little moments like that where, you know, it's all about being in this band and in this group. And then at the end, it comes full circle back around and they go, no, we want you in this band. Yeah. So Because he's delivered, he's given something to them, which he's never given to anyone before. And it's like the, the thing that makes him great it's first of all, his passion for music is stellar. Jack Black gives a great comedic performance that has a lot of depth to it. But it's the way the character Dewey teaches the kids how to be confident in themselves. So the, this this is the thing that they, I would say, got wrong with the School of Rock musical. And in the musical, he t- he talks down to the kids. No, no, he doesn't talk down to the kids. He becomes a kid in order to talk to them. He's this really just like thick childlike grown child whereas in in this film he he talks to the kids like they're adults the whole time so he teaches them how to be confident every each kid has a moment with Dewey 
where he instills his unique form of wisdom. Lawrence, I'm not cool. Right at the beginning. Lies. You're cool in the way you play the keyboard. Don't worry about it. I'm fat. So what? Me too. But, you know, Aretha Franklin, she's big and she's got pipes. And I'm fat too. And you know what? It's not about that. It's about being confident. And then, can I be the band stylist instead? Straight away. Of course you can, fancy pants. Don't worry about it. There's no discrimination of any of these characters. And he's the only person that treats them like an adult the whole time. And it's because, you know, he he knows what it's like to to be the outsider and the outcast and he, the, the one that's not as popular. So it's a perfect situation for Jack Black's characters to go into because there's clearly all of these kids can't express themselves in any way because they're at this big, you know, expensive, was it, what, uh, elementary school? So like, Is that what? Like a, um, they yeah. call it a prep school, don't they? A prep school. It's like a private school, essentially. No, it's definitely an elementary. I don't know what age they are, are they? Ten. Okay, like yeah, ten. That'd be, that'd be ten. Ten, yeah. I think. So it's like all of these kids haven't been able to express themselves and the, the, there's so many good scenes that show that as well. So, you know, he gives them all homework to do um, in terms of listening to different records and then we see, um, is it Zach, the guitarist? Yeah. Um, um, you know, his dad telling them off saying you've got to do your chores and you've got to do um, everything and no more rock music. And it's like, it's clearly this kid's got a passion for music. Like you should... He should be um, encouraging that in his home life. And I think eventually the dad of that character comes around and sees that and does encourage it and sees how amazing he is. It's, it just took a, a rock performance to show that. What's, what's great about this film and what a lot of films get wrong is that there's a lot of characters in this film, right? You've got, you've got Dewey, you've got the classroom full of kids, you've got the principal, you've got um, his friend and, his, and then Sarah Silverman, his girlfriend, there's a, and the parents, you've got a lot of people. Um, but every single person, I would say bar the girlfriend, because she's pretty one-dimensional, um, every single person has a point A to point B and a journey. And like we, we were saying at the beginning, Rich, Dewey is the person that gets from them gets them from point A to point B. Um, so you, you, you mentioned the kids. So you, you've got Lawrence that kind of he thinks he's not cool. Do you, you know, gives him the confidence to believe he's cool. You've got Zach, who's got no confidence. You've got Tamika, who's got body issues. You've got Summer, who's a very serious, intense kid that's very, you know, cares too much about grades and external. Yeah, give, give her the chance to manage. You know, he, he, he handles her intensity quite well. At first, not so much. It's like, don't worry about it. But then it's like, no, okay, let's give her what she needs to flourish. But even the principal, right? The principal, she starts very serious, very intense, plays by the rules, stick in the mud. And through kind of Jack Black's enthusiasm and lackluster approach to the rules, it, she loosens up by the end and she, you know, inevitably becomes happier as do the rest of the the um, the characters in the film. But yeah, my, my only person that I didn't like or like kind of the writing of was the girlfriend because she was just so, she was just so one-dimensional. Well, let's talk about her because I, I was watching, I was watching this, and I was like, yeah. So the Silver Sarah Silverman character, she doesn't, she doesn't have an arc. But there's, there's no journey. Does she, no. does she need to have an arc? Is she? Does she really need to? Because when it comes down to it, in terms of moral standpoint, she's right about everything. You know, she might be a bit feisty and straight to the point, but. I feel like there's, there's two reasons, <laughs> four reasons. It's a podcast. You can't see what I'm doing. There's two reasons for this. Um, first of all, she needs to be like the main obstacle 
that doesn't change. She's just an obstacle in it to get him to sort of spin back around. But also, it's she is the postman of exposition. She delivers the exposition right at the beginning. And the way that they did that was that she's the annoyed girlfriend of um of the the roommate's roommate <laughs> of yeah right yeah um and she she has the chance to talk about specific stuff. He's a freeloader. You know, you owe him $2,200 and all this. Like, they wouldn't, as roommates, they wouldn't speak to each other like that because they understand the information. But she's using it as ammunition during an argument so she can deliver all that straight to Dewey, straight to this this freeloader. And it all feels natural because she's using those specifics as a way to catch Dewey. There's one line in that conversation at the beginning where they're talking about you owe him so much money and um, he keeps winding Ned up. Dewey keeps one note says, well, you're just like, because um, oh, he doesn't call him a substitute. Did, a temp. He, he calls a him temp. a temp. Uh, calls him a temp. And uh, uh, the Ned character says, I'd like to see you do my job. <laughs> and I was just like. Theme yep. stated. Theme stated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a story right there. But when I watched that again, I I didn't actually like that line because I'm like, oh, that's heavy foreshadowing. That is now that I know the story, yeah. it's like that's a bit on the nose. Um, but I suppose it does set up the film, doesn't it? Yeah, because you know he does it. Does Dewey do his job very well? No, actually, he does a really bad job <laughs> of it yeah. of being a teacher. But in terms of being like good to the kids and everyone else around him, he is perfect. This, like I said, the Sarah Silverman character needs to be like that like that conversation needs to happen and it's the perfect way for that to happen because like you said the yeah uh, the the roommates they wouldn't have that conversation at also yeah can we talk about so jack black's kind of a to b his journey because he's the obviously the main guy so he starts off lost friendless no bandmates he's a bit of a loner he's looking for a community of like-minded people and that's I like the way it's visually represented um, in the first couple of minutes where he, he's playing on stage and he dies off and there's nobody there to catch him, right? He kind of just yeah. falls flat on his he face. He does the solos. The opening of yeah. this is, is perfect. I've got a note on that. It's the power of a great opening. It's like, we introduce the character by, we go into Battle of the Bands. We've got a sleazy bar. Dewey's hyper on stage. He's the one who's moving more than anyone else. So that's what we, you know, our eyes attract to it. He has no self-awareness. But he, um, you know, he's he's playing as if there's fifty thousand people in the crowd, and instantly we get that we're like, my God, the passion of this guy. He's just a fun dude. No one else is being fun, and then he literally hits rock bottom when he stage dives straight onto the floor, and then we get that really nice match fade in the edit to him now in bed, and this is where we see the character begin. We understand straight away he's hit rock bottom, and we know just how far he needs to go in order to become the best version of himself. Opening scene in this film is chef's kiss, 11 out of 10. It's like you don't need to have any like dialogue telling you all of this. It's all in actions. And you, so we have the performance, but when it cuts to the, the, to the flat, you see that he's kind of just got a corner of this room with a curtain around. He's got loads of records. We know what he's passionate about and that's all he's passionate about. And that's it. He's a person that genuinely and truly believes that rock will save the world right and you it's not a, it's not an act um and he never drops that throughout the whole film despite his d- despite his a to b he still holds that kind of internal philosophy that rock will change the world and and he's been watching uh bill and ted too much <laughs> <isn't he? laughs> well you're yeah, rock saving the world is it's great like so 
he instills all this his unique wisdom on these kids. But the kids need, no, he needs the kids just as much as they need him. And that's that's what makes a really good story arc. Like he needs this whole crowd of kids to be more accepting of him, so he can build his own real self esteem up again. And then they also, you know, through the school management system and things like that, he he learns how to be more preppy with the other teachers. He learns how to, you know, we we get that really nice scene with the what's the drummer called? Don't remember what the drummer's uh, called, but the drummer, the the, the Freddie, Freddie, Freddy, yeah, Freddie, where Freddie goes off in. To the van of the other band and he comes in and tells them off and he says you know like i'll don't you dare do that again otherwise i'll report you or something and it's like that's our first moment when he's like oh he's just he's used the words of a teacher now yeah and that's that i think that's one of the main uh you know he says he, he has some a, a moment with each kid and that's one of them it's just like because freddie's kind of the um he's a bit of a rebel isn't he he's definitely the one a little bit off the rails more than anyone else so just having that slight conversation, it's like, no, don't end up like these guys. You know, you can be better. Yeah. And, you know, as a kid, you just, that's the one thing that exact kid needed. So the, um, the girl, um, who was worried about her weight, that's the exact conversation she needed because especially when she's like two foot taller than all of the other kids. Um, yeah. so it's like each kid has the perfect he has the perfect moment with each kid. So it's like, what does this kid need? And yeah. Jack Black, Black delivers that. And then on the opposite side, we've got uh, Zach, the guitarist, is the first person to say, "I'm," you know. So Jack Black's like, "Right, we've got this. We've got this band. We're going to put it together. I, I've wrote some great tunes that it's going to. We're going to win battle of bands." And Zach goes, "Come on, then. Let's hear it. Let's see what you got." And he's like, "Oh." And he's put on the spot, but they actually literally want to hear it. They genuinely, sincerely want to hear yeah. his music and they're quite excited about it. And they they mm-hmm. give him so much at the same time. That's when we get that line right at the end. And without him instilling this wisdom on the kids and the kids giving their gratitude to him and, and all of their wisdom, the line at the end where it's like, you know, your kids have touched me and I'm pretty sure I've touched them too. <laughs> that line would have not mean anything if it wasn't for the rest of this film. And it, it's a, perfect way to end that that act really isn't it yeah so the the end of his journey in masquerading as a teacher he becomes a teacher and finds friendship and community in in this in this group of kids and yeah like i said at the beginning that's visually represented by him being caught from a stage dive at the end of the film and kind of it's just a perfect way Mm. to kind of you kind of yeah conclude that journey as a character that he belongs and belongs somewhere yeah, and the thing is, that's like, if you think about it, it's so simple. It's like, you know, he staves, stage dives off the stage and hits the floor at the beginning. So what do you do at the end? You have him crowd surf. Yeah. Like, it's 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 simple writing, but, and sometimes that's all it needs to be because we see the progression of a character and how he's changed over time. And those are our great visual bookends, aren't they? Yeah, and I think, I think there's a lot of films that just kind of forget that because at the end of the day, it's all about character. Every single film, it's about character. You've got plot, but you've got character. The character has to change at the end, whether whether good or bad. You know, it doesn't really matter. It's just as long as you see the change, and visually, it's always best to show. You know, you can't just have someone say, "And Dewey turned out to be a nice guy." <laughs> you know, it, it's like, yeah, you wouldn't do that. But it's like just have him crowd serve. It's perfect. Well, I would say though that he is a selfish character, as we've kind of alluded to. Yeah. 
as we've said, if any other person other than Jack Black was in this role, I think we would would not have uh, taken to this film as much as we have, because um, it's just made for Jack Black, this character. On paper, I think his kind of journey it probably isn't strong enough, but because give it to Jack Black to kind of have his natural enthusiasm and passion, it makes the makes him more charming and engaging. Right, that would be my only kind of note on the script. <laughs> but that's that's a positive in my eye because we needed to have we needed to have someone negative enough to to get some positivity. Are you talking more about the stakes? Like we've got this flawed guy well i'm just thinking he's, he's flawed he's quite selfish and the only reason he changes at the end is because he's been caught out like he doesn't learn that lesson by himself but he, he's selfless in in the other aspect isn't he i would argue is that is that enough of a change like to only change when you've got no other option to change that's not really a change is it but we see that he's selfless in other aspects when he's talking to the kids and things like that maybe other adults who talk to kids like their kids and use them as just objects like he doesn't do that at all. He gives them respect, and in that sense, he's quite selfless, isn't he? He's instilling his own thoughts on these things, and he's giving them something that they need, and that's their own self confidence. I think he's inadvertently doing that, but like he's selfishly only using these kids to win a competition at a battle of the bands. Um, but because of his kind of natural personality right. and charm, um, he's being selfless along the way, but not kind of uh, on purpose. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely a a grey area halfway through that, isn't there? Where he's he's still doing it to win battle of the bands, to win twenty grand, but he's also really enjoying himself teaching these kids, and he doesn't know which one he wants more. At one point, it, it's like through all of the little tasks that he does, getting caught was just kind of the that was the the straw that brought the camels back it's like it's like that's it's the inevitable the, it had to happen it had to happen yeah it's yep. inevitable it had to happen and even even afterwards you know he's he's truly ashamed at what he does we only get he's only lying in his bed well we see him back lying in his bed where we first like properly meet him yeah so again that's another another visual metaphor of just like he's returned back to the this the, the very beginning again you know, and you know the the people who's going to come to the rescue now are the kids that, you know, he's 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 been with. So he does have a big downfall. It's just with this being a kids movie, I would it is a kids movie. Yeah, it's certainly family friendly, isn't it? Fa- family friendly, yeah, that's the word. Um, that you know the kids have to kind of because he wouldn't go. Imagine if he. You know, went. No, I'm going to sneak into the school, and we're going to. I'm going to take the kids in the van. Yeah, that is a really good point because it would be kidnapping, and then he would be a bad guy, and he would get put on a sex offender's register, and then it's no longer fam- family friendly, and he's no longer a hero. So he needed to give up and go away, and they needed to volunteer. It's still a little bit weird, <laughs> but yeah, rewatching it this time. I didn't really like the line that you mentioned before, where he's like, your kids have touched me and I'm pretty sure I've touched them or something like that. <laughs> the, you know, the paedophile joke. Uh, and at the time, I remember that being really funny, but like kind of, I don't know, again, if our attitudes have changed in the past 20 years, but I'm just like, oh, why did you bring, why did you make me think about him being a paedophile? Because that wasn't even in my mind <laughs> because we're having yeah. such a good time. We all know it was, it was simmering. And Come on, man, it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was this was 2003, so I was, um, I would have been 15. 14, 15, yep. 14, 15, something like that. 
So use were like 10. <laughs> yeah. So obviously we wouldn't have got that. But if you took, if the parents took the kids to the film, they would have probably laughed at that and like they would have got it. Because the note's not serious, the note's a joke at this point. So as you, you kind of understand what that joke means, it, you know the what the punchline should be now. But as a kid, you, you didn't have a clue. It's, it's quite cheap. There are some quite cheap jokes in here. They, they do work just because of the, not cheap. the person delivering it. The, the, whole, the entire plot before this, if that joke wasn't said at that perfect time... <laughs> That was great. That was like bomb exploding at the exact moment it needed to. Yeah, because the um the the parents' reaction as well is like the it's the mortified. <laughs> yeah. One of them starts crying. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah, it's like hysterics, and it's I found that quite funny. So it's clear if you didn't get the joke as a kid, you would have kind of seen the reaction of the adults and probably laughed at that. The only thing that's not so realistic, and I mean the whole film's not all that realistic, but the fact that the police are there and then he still manages to have two guitars and run down the <laughs> hall, get home, and then uh, the real Ned and his girlfriend return home. Without the police. And the police yeah. just decides, oh, okay, we're just going to leave it. Don't worry about it. And then it's the next day when the parents are all talking to the principal. It's the only bit that's a bit strange. He would have been taken to the police station. He would have been questioned. He probably would have been let go because he, you know, it wasn't a serious crime, but he would definitely would have been more. Especially after the paedophile joke, they'd be like, all right, get that guy in handcuffs. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even the police officer going into the classroom and one of the parents going, what's going on? And it's just like, this isn't, um, what's he meant to be called? This isn't Ned. This is Ned. <laughs> And it's just like, yeah, they would pull, they would pull, pull uh, Dewey aside. It's not, and it's not even a police matter. Why are the police involved? Like, it's a school matter. <laughs> they wouldn't be, the police wouldn't have been called at this point. I think as soon as kids are involved and he's impersonating someone. It's identity theft, isn't it, really? But maybe, maybe that there's a bit of leeway because it's his friend and he didn't want to get him in trouble and they just wanted to sort it out. Yeah. So the police officer, it's guy on his own. That maybe he was just like, let's let's we'll talk about this, and it just sort of happened to be that it was a parents' evening. Mm. I think I think if the next day didn't happen in terms of them going and doing this gig, Jack Black, the the probably school would have took or the one of the parents would have took Jack Black to court, and he probably would have, he would get arrested and potentially prison sentence. In a private school like this, yeah, he's being sued out of his uh, oh yeah, mind. <laughs> but because the, he gets on the principal's side. And she really believes that she's becoming like a more fun person. And he lets her, you know, express her own uh, feelings about all this. Maybe it's like, you know what? It's not so bad. And in, earlier in the film, she she made sure, you know, she was saying that the teachers, the, the parents are like this. It's really annoying. And I need to uphold this. So if if she brought it to the public and started suing them, then she might lose her job as well. Maybe... Outside of the script, that's happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Something like that would happen. But this is a family-friendly film, so and it's about them. <laughs> you know, the story. That's the Richard Linklater um, independent film, that one. Not the family-friendly yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've kind of got to, with that little scene where he's running away with the guitars, you've just got to go, yeah, I'll accept it. Yeah. Because I just want to see the rock show at this point. I think uh, the, one of the funniest lines, uh, re-watching it, is John Cusack's line. When she's like, she comes back in the room with all the parents in and she's like, 
all your kids are missing <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. It's just, it's so well delivered. Yeah. And at this point, she's just so like, you know, downtrodden and beat up by everyone shouting at her. She's just like, yeah, your kids are gone. Well, before we, before we get on to performance, I just want to say we've got Patreon. So if you like what we do here and you want to support us, Patreon's the best way to do that. Other than obviously sharing this podcast with your friends, giving us a five-star review, things like that. Uh, we got a bunch of supporter rewards on there, including a community Discord, bonus filmmaking episodes. We even do one-on-one feedback sessions. So if you've got a script or something you're writing and you just want to bounce ideas or something like that, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the film look for more info. And if you want to send us an email or a tweet or an Instagram, <laughs> um, we're at the film look on pretty much all social medias. Uh, Twitter and Instagram we use a lot. And our email is thefilmlook at gmail.com. So if you've got any thoughts on School of Rock or any suggestions for podcasts, or if you think we're completely wrong, let us know over there. <laughs> well, if they, if they think we're completely wrong about uh, School of Rock, well, they're wrong. <laughs> Just turn off now if you, th- if you disagree with us. Like. Acting performance. So that's, um, we'll, we'll come back to John Cusack. Let's talk about Jack Black then. Because... We we know him as the uh, one half of Tenacious D. First of all, got a great singing voice. He's funny as hell, but he's got some acting chops as well. Like the guy's it trained. Because yeah. I think he's just playing Jack Black, isn't he? He's just like, oh, this is me. This is my. But it was written for Jack Black. It was wrote for him, wasn't it? So he's not exactly playing Abraham Lincoln. Yes, of course. But he's playing Dewey Finn perfectly. Did he have a script or did he, or did, or did Richard Linklater just go, come in and just be Jack Black for this, for, an, for the next few months, please? From what I know about Richard Linklater's work, he rehearses a hell of a lot. So things like the Before Trilogy is all rehearsed. It's not improv It's well, well rehearsed, well scripted. He, he works with the actors, changes the script. And when they're on set, even though they're just walking around the city for three films, it's all scripted. So I don't imagine he did the same with this. He worked with Jack Black. He got the jokes right. He got the delivery yeah. right. And then the film, especially with kids, I think that's one of the most important things. So with this, they've got a short period of time to shoot because you work shorter days with kids and there's a lot of them, um, you know, and he has interactions with them all. And I reckon it was just Jack Black, bring your thing. And then Richard Linklater, his thing. idea. Yeah, thing. And, you know, then it was, it, I think it's just a combination. Jack Black is playing. They workshop the crap out of the script and brought all, all of Jack Black's ideas in. So it's like, well, how would you do it? Do it your way and then we'll rewrite it that way. And then that really lets them F of S on screen. Did you, did you think in the script it was like, make a Jack Black noise here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, it would have been scatting, scatting a guitar solo or something. Yeah. Well, I read, I was watching, I can't remember what it was, but I was watching something the other day about, um, it was talking about casting and, and directing rehearsals and stuff. And, uh, oh yeah, it was, um, it was Dead Poet Society. Um, so when the cast, um, oh, what's the actor called? I told you about this the other day, Rich. Dead Poet Society. Rob so Williams. The act, Ron Williams. No, the, the actor who's in before... Uh, sun, sunrise, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, yeah, that's it. So he he was in Deadpool Society, and Ethan Hawke wanted to play the other character who was, a, uh, he was a bit more boyish the, the, throughout. The, the troubled um, actor, the, the, yeah, the, the one that um, spoiler alert doesn't 
has something happen to him during the film. Yeah. Um, and so Ethan Hawke wanted to, uh, he, he, Ethan Hawke plays the character who stands on, you know, the, the, the desk and, uh, and does the, uh, the big speech. But in terms of his character throughout the film, he is the one who hasn't got any confidence as far as I know. Um, it's a while since I have seen that film, but the reason he, Ethan Hawke played that character is because the end version of Ethan Hawke's character in that film was Ethan Hawke. That's who he was. It was like in real life. And the director of that says you should always um, cast um, cast for the final version of the character. So if the you know not always, but if the character's like needs to be so confident, um, you cast him if that's the final version. If you understand what I'm saying, yeah, I got that. Yeah, you cast for his his, his B like yeah his, his, end, his end his end. Yeah. So Jack Black was cast for. Even though we see him, like you know, do this ridiculous thing at the beginning, he was he's cast for the end version of himself. You know, it's you know, first of all, he doesn't need to learn how to play music for the film because he knows how to do it. He doesn't need to learn how to improv all of these wicked sounds that he's making because he does it. So, is Jack Black just playing Jack Black? Yes, but it's perfect for this film. Long way of saying that. (laughs) Well, speaking of of casting for performance, um. I've got an early fun fact here on IMDb. It says, Alien filming, an insecure Robert Tsai, who plays Lawrence, our keyboardist, approached director Richard Linklater and tried to talk him out of letting him be in the film because he felt he wasn't right for the part. Linklater responded that this was the very insecurity that made him exactly right for the part and kept him in. Mm -hmm. Ironically, Lawrence has a similar conversation with Dewey Finn about not feeling right. And it makes us think, well, maybe he's He's good at casting Richard Linklater, isn't he? Like he's he's picked the right person, and that fell into his lap a little bit there. One of the characters who is really insecure about his own person in real life is insecure about how he acts. Yeah, great. Because stuff. I, I I imagine a lot of the, all these kids were, especially the musicians, were cast because they can play. You know, because they're all playing the instruments, aren't they? Yeah. As, as far as I know, like it, it definitely looks like that way. Yeah, I was going to say the performance of the kids um, are equally good. You know, it's, it's very hard to find talented kids, particularly like, you know, a classroom full of them. Normally you can see, you know, some that's like, oh, you've just, you, you go to drama school on a Saturday, don't you? Whereas mm-hmm. all of these like genuinely, you know, take on the, take on the role with some, with some talent. And they all, I, I was reading about them. They're all kind of very talented musicians in their own right. I think the kid Lawrence is like this classically trained pianist and they're kind of, the, uh, what she called Rebecca, the, the kind of cellist. Bassist, yeah. The bassist, she's like amazing, um, talented musician, as is Zach. And they all got, um, were given to this music, uh, the, the kind of band member from Pearl Jam, um, who literally you know, sent them to the school of rock to learn how to like translate their classical uh-huh. training nice. in, in play power chords and stuff like that. So yeah, they're all very, very talented kids in their own right. Um, and they do genuinely, you can, you can see by watching them, they know how to play these mm. instruments. Yeah. Because obviously we've, we've watched, um, f- uh, films in the past where you, someone's playing the piano and you can kind of always tell that they're not. You can always tell because the camera, if, a, if an actor can play the piano, the camera never leaves their hands. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> if there's a curse, you're like, oh, that's someone else's hands. If they can't <laughs> yeah. play it, we get hands, then we get face. 
yeah. we've got we've got films like like La La Land where Ryan Gosling learned to play just those songs so they could that's do that's fine isn't like. it that's all you need yeah. like yeah. yeah you'd rather rather do that you don't have to would we be able yeah. to do that with School of Rock though because them practicing stuff um the 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 practice so rather than memorizing a song on the piano which they probably redubbed or something they're like playing as a band together and at that point you kind of need to sort of play in the pocket you need to understand things that are happening would you be i suppose you could memorize it but um yeah it definitely feels genuine and one of the things i was going to talk about in editing was the fact that when they were playing stuff they were play they were clearly playing the guitars weren't perfectly in tune. They didn't try to tune them in. Um, and they sounded like electric guitars played acoustically or through an amp without any real processing. And um, so it makes it feel more like it's a practice thing. And then right at the end, you get it. And that's when the fi- you finally get the full music video style track. Whereas nothing feels redubbed during the takes. You were saying there was a four minute take going on. Do you know what particularly that last track you know the the big the big finale was that how did they record all that do you know do you know that like how was it recorded live or that last one uh baby was make straight A's. i think that was written by a different band i think jack black was trying to i think right this is a no, fact I mean, that's in me brain I mean, how was it recorded well it would have been played on set and then they would have synced it probably yeah cuz it's it sounds so perfect and it probably would have been easier for them to just play mime, it sort of mime it yeah and then in terms of like the sh- the coverage of that scene it's it's just a mixture sometimes the whole band will be there and sometimes they won't be sometimes the crowd will be there but they probably just did all of the crowd shots one day and then all of the band shots and then you know the big establishing wides from the back of the room you know they would have split all that up yeah. so it would have been a process of doing it multiple times but so yeah they, they would have just played back and then minded. yeah talented kids talented actors joan cusack yeah has got to hurt i think she she is fantastic in this film she really makes it like normally with the kind of cliche principle in these sorts of films is a stuck up kind of no-nonsense very strict um like unlikable character whereas she's got some she's got a journey as well like we spoke about that you're kind of warm to and you want her to succeed as well as the rest of the cast. If it was like, and she's very funny as well. I think she, this is probably just coming off the back of High Fidelity. No, was she in High Fidelity? Jack Black was in High Fidelity. Mm-hmm. Her brother was in, her brother was in High Fidelity. But yeah, I like the Cusack siblings. I think they're very talented. Yeah, she was in, she was Liz. She was, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, so they worked together, they worked together before uh, this film and they do have good chemistry. That was two 2000. Um, what's interesting about this as well, it's like, you know, we've, we've kind of seen that this, you know, the setup of this story anyway, a few times. So, you know, um, kindergarten cop is the exact same, you know, story. Arnie has to go and teach these kids. It was meant to be someone else. You know, it's, it's a great way to like get someone into a new world. You know, it's a substitute teacher. So they're not used to the school and the way they work and the kids, no one knows them. So, you know, you see more substitute teachers than you actually see teachers in films because, you know, the teachers are, well, they already know what's happening in, in this world. Yeah. A teacher, that's their normal world. Yeah. 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 So the, the substitute is perfect to, 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 to introduce in there. Day one. Yeah. Got to learn everyone's names, you know, there we go. Well, let's go filmmaking cliche then. Substitute <laughs> teacher. That's definitely yeah. there. That's one yeah, of the cliches too, right? Yeah. Well, it's cinematography. Art direction are two things I want to mash together and talk about. 
Um, the look of the school is really strange. Like it almost gave me like seven vibes. So Joan Cusack, the uh, the principal, her her uh, office is completely black, or if not like a super dark brown. And you've got like their apartment is it's a crimson red the whole time. Um, and then there's other elements that are like really teal and things like that. You think of a school, you just think in you know, white, beige, or in this case, it would be Chris Carkey. Um, <laughs> but they've, they've, they've definitely thought about how can we make, how does this look on camera? How can we change it up? How can we make it look a bit cool? And then you get the grime of things like the sleazy bars and the dive bars, things like that. Um, really, if you broke this down in terms of cinematography and production design, it's a bloody good looking film. You talk about those four minute one ass, things like that mixed with how it looks, mixed with how it's shot and how it's lit. It's a good looking movie for a movie that, you know, is, you would think is just, you know, super bright, super well lit, um, very comic. So we don't have to worry about it. It's got some, it's got some craft to it. And I really appreciate that. The difference when he goes to like the concerts and stuff and there's just like, it is a bit grimy and dingier, but, um, I'm just flicking through some photographs and like, all of the shots have like loads of uh, depth to it. You know, it's you can see everything. It's that typical, um, you know, it's not shallow depth of focus. You see everything in the frame because there's lots of characters in this, so you need that. Um, it reminds us of Home Alone a little. Um, yeah, you know, you know the, the similar style, similar look. Um, you know, it, it's it's not too far away from that. Um, it like I said, everything's well lit, so shooting isn't necessarily a problem because this is all sets. You know, there's a lot of outside stuff as well, but most of all this will be will be all built, will be all sets just to make it easier. Um, it, I, well, they might have shot on location, they might have just found one, but it's definitely just all light and grids above. You know, you don't get many lights in the shots, like practicals and stuff. It's all window lights and things like that. So, um, yeah, it looks weird. Apart from the end where it's like, you know, the show. There's a few things I noticed um, this time around, particularly with the Warners, was the, the these very slow zooms, zooms in, and particularly slow kind of zooms into Jack Black. And it just feels like, um, as an audience, we're just getting drawn in to this this guy's passion and enthusiasm for music, just like the kids are. So um, we, we are kind of, yeah, part of the classroom and um, like learning from it really, aren't we? Yeah, I I appreciate the the long wanners and as as well because this could be easily just shot like a music video. Like each time they start performing, you know, it'll be shot like a music video. But we, you know, even the beginning, you know, tracks in through the clo the the bar that they're in, and you see all of the titles written on the walls and things like that, and the doors, and I, you know, even just things like that. It's like we we'll just get straight into it, like and. It, it, you just get this like long shot introducing us into the world. If you're in the audience during the cinema, and the film starts, and we get the production company, and we get this rock sound. You know, we've seen the trailers for School of Rock, things like that, and we're sort of we're really just we're on a literally on like it feels like on rails on a roller coaster. We've just went back. We're climbing. We're climbing. Production company on the back, get around, sticker, Richard Lindlaker, 
We're going, oh, we can see the stage, but we can't. We saw someone, it was a Jack Black, we don't know just yet. And then we get to him and we see a wide shot and he's he's talking to the, the sound guy, this engineer behind, something wrong with amp, man, turn it up, turn me amp, up, turn me amp. And then he goes to the mic, ah! gets that proper close up and then it's like we understand who this guy is in an instant it's perfect proper roller coaster good stuff 11 out of 10 <laughs> 11 out of 10 yeah still 11 have you seen uh, speaking of 11 out of 10 have you seen Spinal Tap nah I've, it's one of those films that is always somehow in my life I've, I've avoided it not co- not consciously but just it's never been on so I've, I watched it yeah in my as a teen and I never really got it but I know like it's got this huge reputation for being one of the best comedies ever made and if you're particularly into music it's a really good watch so I'm going to rewatch it again soon and if it if it's good and I might I might suggest it for the pod but um I'll give it a watch first uh cuz yeah it's it's so so many references to that film and I'm like oh, I need to watch I need, I need to watch an that. excuse to watch it <laughs> special slash visual effects do we have any anything if there are visual effects in this they are absolutely perfect because i did yeah. not notice a single one yeah that's the thing is with visual effects if you don't notice them they're doing the job it's yeah. i think it's probably just like extensions paint stuff extensions, out, things like that. Yeah. you know like yeah. on location they've got to, got to paint something out and, and things like that but other than that no so that's called that's made that perfect five stars <laughs> yep. editing one thing i really love about this film is the editing and it's it's the last line of the previous scene with the image of the next scene and it's it's just it gets us into the next thing we step down or we step up into the next scene and it's perfect and it's kind of like um maybe you know uh principal something maybe we could go for coffee it's like you want to go for coffee with me yeah i want to go for coffee with you cut two beer glasses we're not going for coffee we understand what's going on there's loads of moments like that in this film so in terms of pacing, I think this is a million out of ten. What do you guys think of the editing? I mean, it's got it hits the beats perfectly as a film, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was no pun intended. Because of the music, uh, and it. I, what is the length of it? One, one fifty or something. One forty. One forty. One forty-five. Um, I think it's perfect length for this sort of family-friendly comedy music film. Uh, yeah, could, I would. I would happily watch a longer version of this, but. It wouldn't be as good, would it? Oh, would it? 12 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched this a couple of times. I stuck it on last night and it just breezed by. Like it's like it says in the first where he's in the new world, which is the classroom in the first 10 minutes. So we've got all of the setup. Um, he's figured out a way to, to make some money. And then I think five minutes after that, he figures that these are class musicians. So 15 minutes in, Okay, well, that's it. We're going with it. Yeah, it's exactly on the twenty-minute mark. Actually, the um, act two, which is he's uh, he's having a wee in the urinal. He's looking up. He's listening upstairs. Goes in, sees they're all playing cello. You've got a bass, and then all of a sudden we get a montage of him getting the guitars and running and and things like that. And it's like, oh, welcome to the new classroom, kids. Act two. Here we are. Promise of the premise. Speaking of montages, yeah, they do utilize montages a lot to kind of speed up this film. You've got that first montage there where he's getting the classroom ready and um, that, you know, that happens in 20 seconds of him seeing the class and then setting up the band, like setting up the instruments for them to come back to the classroom. And then you've got another montage 
um, as they're getting better as a band, as they're growing and they're learning more instruments and they're getting the name of the song and they're sorting out the costumes and all, all that sort of stuff, getting ready for Battle of the Bands, you've got a good minute uh, montage there where the, um, you know, the soundproofing, the, the classroom and they're pulling the instruments in yeah. and out. And uh, yeah, there's some fun, fun. And you've got like Jack Black jumping up and down doing his Jack Black stuff. It's it's fun. It really is like having those like moments where we can just see everyone having fun in a short space of time. We're having fun yeah. as well. There's one the one thing I want to talk about is um so I mentioned obviously the guitarist Zach I think it is Zach Mooningham. <laughs> we see that scene with his father, him getting talked and uh, getting told off, and then you see Jack Black's reaction. And when Jack Black comes into the classroom, he knows exactly what he's doing. So he's asking the kids for. Things you don't like. So, you know, okay, we've got it. Yeah. Was it like tests? We're going to make a song. That's We're going to make a rock song. Tell us about something. You, you, you know, what's what's the man? What do you not like? Let's make a song about it. And the only person, the only kid's opinion or answer he wanted was Zach's. Because you see him go around. Because you see Zach like slumped on and, and looking upset. And he goes to the first person, second person, third person, fourth person, Zach. And it, that's the only one... He, he he really wants because he knows he's got to help that kid at that moment in time. Everyone else is doing good. They they matter, but he helps him and then they make a song and he gets up, plays the guitar and just brings him up. And that's just from, and I think that might be one of the, the first real moments where he's like, he's really caring for the kids um, where he's, he's like, this is a little bit more than just, I won $20,000 and win Battle of the Bands. He's actually helping that kid there with a problem which a teacher should do. And that's what this school is lacking, isn't it? We we set up this private prep school and the very disciplinary we we have a special we have a code of conduct and he's bringing something that the, the other teachers just don't have and that's empathy for these characters. It's wicked, isn't it? Million out of 10. Just that one scene, it's just like it's perfect from him seeing that he knows exactly what he's doing and it's just like, yep. Yeah. As soon as you watch that, it's like, yeah, you you really caring for these kids now. Yeah. Definitely. And that keeps us feeling that Jack Black is the hero through this, isn't it? Because he, we, if he didn't have a scene like that and he st- we still think he's doing it for the money and the, you know, um, win Battle of the Bands, if we if that was his main reason, you know, it, it, we wouldn't like him. We wouldn't like this film, but it's not his main reason. With scenes like that, we've realised what he's, what, he's, what he's turning into. Yeah. Yeah. Because at first it's about him he wants to win Battle of the Bands, but eventually it's about him getting to play with peers, isn't it? He just wants to play. And it just so happens that Battle of the Bands is this thing. And it, it's probably a very good thing in the film that the School of Rock didn't win the money because it's not about the money. That's that's the synthesis of, of these two central dramatic arguments, isn't it? It's the, you, you know, you, you were strong enough all along, Jack Black. You were strong enough all along, Dewey. Um, Let's talk a bit about sound design. Um, we talked a little bit about how they amped the guitars and things like that and the way that they, they played everything not completely tuned correctly when they were practicing, rehearsing. Because if you picked up a guitar after a few days, it's not going to be perfectly in tune. And they didn't try to make it perfect. And considering filmmaking, that you know they tried to smooth everything over, it seemed like this was a, a direct, like, directing choice from Richard Linklater to say during rehearsals we want it to feel like rehearsals so he's playing like smoke on the water there's no amp to it it's, it's a, an electric guitar played acoustically it doesn't sound great 
We get, we understand what's going on. Is there any other sound design things that you've noticed throughout this film that makes it, you know, did they try to link it to the subject line or like, you know, make it more musical, things like that? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think like you just said, the the kind of the way they play the music when they're practicing, it's like, it's not perfect. And that kind of, it feels like it's actually live and happening when we, yeah. you know, a lot of the time it's, it's always just dubbed over, you know. And this might be dubbed over, but they've done a very good job of dubbing it over. But it doesn't feel like that. You can you can tell at the end there's a bit of editing on the sound, you know, during the credits, and you've got yeah. like um, you know, eight minutes of them just jamming, and they're each <laughs> yeah. taking turns to have a solo. You, I can hear the you know when there's a when there's the piano solo, the keyboard that's turned up, and in you know whenever there's the guitar that's turned up, kind of the levels shift in and out there. Um, but that's just because yeah. Uh, but it's still played live though, isn't it? Still live. Oh, it's still live. I'm just thinking they must have touched up the sounds in after. Yeah. 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 But it's not like the redubbed. No, it. no. They've just no, mixed no. it. Yeah. They've just mixed it to, to suit the, the performances and stuff. And then yeah. the thing is, the credits is quite good because the reason that it's definitely live is because I think it's just Jack Black, like actually improving some of that. Oh, yeah. You know, definitely. when they're singing like the movie's over and they're talking about like that guy down there, like uh, like leaving the, leaving the cinema. I actually went to see this in the cinema. So when that came on, it was like, oh, what's this? It's like, it's so good. I, I, I remember vividly going to see this in the cinema and you know how people just kind of back then, before like Marvel, where we sat, we now sit through credits like trained monkeys. We all just like kind of, yeah. you know, people started standing up when the credits roll. And I think a lot of the cinema did that and then you know when you like start leaving and there's still things going on the screen and everyone just stands at the bottom of the screen and just watches yeah, it's that awkward <laughs> the awkward like oh I've, I've left me seat and oh, I kind of sit down so again so embarrassing like, that I hate that yeah. it's such an embarrassing I remember feeling. that was what was happening when I was um, leaving the yeah, cinema yeah yeah uh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like literally when he starts talking about the guy cleaning up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, what's how is he doing that? <laughs> yeah, the cinema, the cinema workers are just like, oh god damn it, just go. Not like, again. I've got to turn this around, <laughs> like for the next film, I've got to clean up. So that's why they probably hate Marvel films because yeah. uh, right. they're always standing yeah. there at the end, just right. waiting for you to leave, and they're just like, I've seen. That's an extra like 10, 15 minutes that they can't get in the yeah, cinema, yeah, isn't it? Can't in be. the screen. <laughs> yeah. So they've, and they've got to turn it around. So, but that's nah, a fun, fun little thing for this type of film. Score slash soundtrack. I mean, most of it is hard rock stuff. That's our soundtrack. What about the score? What do you think of all of the musical elements other than the diegetic musical elements in this? K-Dog. Well, I've got a little fact about the soundtrack I was going to bring up here. So um, in one of Richard Linklater's early films, have you seen Dazed and Confused? Yes. That's, that's a great no. film if you haven't seen it. Yeah, like high school comedy, coming of age um, type of film. But that that's named after a Led Zeppelin song called Dazed and Confused. Um, but despite that, he um, kind of failed to get permissions to use that song in the, in the film. So he's got like a history of being unable to use Led Zeppelin songs in his film. And he approached them again for this film saying, can we use uh, the Immigrant song? And they're like, no, sorry, you're still not... Uh, allow it to do that but then um he then tasked jack black with like sending them a, a personalized videotape kind of uh requesting and doing his jack black thing and kind of you know enthusing and being passionate and saying what they were doing and what they were trying to achieve and because of his you know innate charm um led zeppelin agreed that they can use this song in the film so again it just shows it's testament to kind of just how 
bloody likable Jack Black is that he he could persuade yeah. people uh, this easily uh, to use the to use the music, and yeah, so that's you know the you know the immigrant song. It's quite cliched and overused now, but back then it wasn't the. Um, uh, yeah, that one. Uh, <laughs> it's your um, is your computer going up again? <laughs> The, the you know the band that band probably realised you know what if we actually start licensing our, our songs we can make a load of money oh, yeah. let's just license but it, this it's idea. it's kind of so unrock and roll to to kind of give permissions for songs to kind of mainstream films like this um, you know you know as Jack Black says the kind of spirit of rock and roll is sticking it to the man and the man is yeah. um, mainstream Hollywood isn't it Warner Brothers <laughs> <laughs> or whoever did this that's why you like the Beatles they didn't for ages you couldn't they didn't license them out and then someone did and now you hear them all the time and Queen is on every single like sofa advert (laughs) (laughs) you know every every Queen song's being like you know every Queen song is a DFS sale yeah or it's like it's just on an insurance advert like oh chocolate Cadbury love Queen (laughs) uh, yeah like uh, it's just they're everywhere and you hear it and it's like I do feel like our attitude our attitudes towards you know selling out and in inverted commas uh, has changed over the past ten years. I think you know the rise of YouTube and um, that sort of the, the way people advertise now. Um, because yeah, it was it was so frowned upon to to give permissions for stuff like that back in you know even 10, 10 years ago. But now everyone accepts. You know, people have to make money. It doesn't. Mean- <laughs> yeah, because if they go, oh, we'll give you X amount of millions of pounds for your song to be in this advert, and you don't need to do any work to it. All right. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Do you think it's maybe because these labels were were taking ninety five percent of the cash from these bands anyway? Yeah. And the bands were like. No, because the label's going to make yeah. all the money and not yeah. us. So no. And then, you know, Jack Black convinces them and it's like, well, maybe it's not, maybe we've got to forget about the money and, and give a new generation our music. Because, mm-hmm. you know, after this film, people would search that song, you know, and it's all goes in popular culture. And I, I can't tell you how much of an influence, by the way, this film had on my music education at the time. And like, uh, it made me really excited about music and I learned all about these bands and the music that was in this film. Cause at the time, like you said, I would have been, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, like when you start rewatching this stuff and I was hooked, like Jack Black convinced me to listen to this music. And I started learning guitar at the time as well, off the back of this film. And I remember playing the song. I can still play it on the guitar now. It's, it's a D that goes up and down. Um, uh, on uh, the string, you know, the that probably didn't come out right, but I can still I can still yeah, play that yeah, song yeah. twenty years later. <laughs> um, it, it's 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 yeah. such a huge influence on on my, yeah my music education. Teary eyed. How would you do it differently, <laughs> uh, Rob? How would you do it differently? More wicked tracks, like if you can fit a couple of more wicked tracks in there, like yeah, yeah. I, I actually agree, actually, because you don't. The, the only full song we get is the end. You know, the end song. Last two, um, yeah. uh-huh. it, the last two, and it does. It, it works because it's, it's so cathartic by that point because we've only had snippets and we've only had you know when they're playing without any amps in and things like that. Um, and so when it does happen, it feels great because it's like, oh, this is what we've been waiting for this song. But at the same time, I would have loved more music in this, like played by the kids to, to see to see more tracks. Um, I don't know how that would fit in 
Do you think it would turn it a bit more into a music video yeah. musical? It would have had to have been. If to you get want that, of- go and see the West End show. <laughs> the theatres will be opening up very soon, and I'm sure School of Rock's going to be there. So definitely go and see that. Yeah, true. It's great. It's honestly great. So you would turn it into a musical. That's how you do it differently. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I would actually. I didn't. Well, I kind of. I think you probably told us that story before about going to see School of Rock. But I would. I would be. Happy to see this in the theatre. I think it'd be a class. Lucy was absolutely good when I said we were doing this on the pod. She was like, How dare you? Because School of Rock is like her favourite film of all time. That's why I took her to the musical. And she can rehearse like every line. It's weird how much she just she can do the whole film. Um so yeah, she's gonna be gutted when when she finds <laughs> out that this is being released. Yeah. <laughs> and she can't be part of it. <laughs> so is Lucy. Um, I wouldn't do anything differently. 11 out of 10. 2003, this is. So this is almost 20 years old. This is 18, 19 years old. There's some good, yeah. good um, films, like good family-friendly films that have stood the test of time that came out around then. Like, didn't Shrek come out, like, the year before this? Did it? Shrek came out in 2002. I'm yeah. pretty sure it did. I'll have a look. See, the 90s, the mid-90s seems so far away from 2002, but they're not. 2001. So by the time we'd watched it and then like got the DVDs and then watched it another <laughs> million times, you know, yeah. I associate the, that time of my life with Shrek and School of Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Has it aged? Is it a fine wine? Is it Ribena? K-Dog. I don't think it's aged. I, I do think I'll go back to what I said before with that pedophile joke. I don't think they would make that this day, t- today. I don't know why. I just... Uh, um, I don't think they would. You mean for a family-friendly film, they wouldn't go that yeah. edgy? Maybe with a more edgy film, yeah. they would. This is a this is a PG thirteen film, and I've got I've got no idea why. Ignore mentions. Uh, I wonder if uh, they were on crack or something. He says that to the kids. Uh, Miss Mull- Miss Mullins or something. She yeah. must be on crack. crack. Kids, must yeah. She? yeah, she is. And that was like the one line. I was just like, what? Right, and nowadays they would have, they would have take that if 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 it meant that this would be what, what's the thing below PG thirteen in the states like A and A whatever if it meant or PG if yeah. it meant that I was a PG they would instantly get rid of that line if it was just that yeah which is weird because if it was just for that one line there's nothing else um, there's like, a bit of markability to PG thirteen though isn't there yeah it's like ooh it's a bit. Bit more raunchy. It's for the family. It's 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 definitely for the family now, isn't yeah. it? It's not yeah. just for the kids. Whereas PG you know. is more. It's a kids' film. The kid, the adults are going to hate it. PG thirteen. It's a bit of spice to it. It's all right. Ooh. Ooh. It's a bit of a gel frizzy right there. Um, Rob, has it aged? Is it has it aged like a fine wine? Has it aged like a ribena, which is diluted and crap? <laughs> is it like a vinegar, there's, or has it not aged? There's no real like. Technology in here, we don't really see any computers, musical instruments are timeless. Um, maybe it's just like, you know, the what they're wearing. The IMAX. Know. There's IMAX on it. Is there? Oh, but, yeah, there is, there is an IMAX. The IMAX yeah. are old enough now that it looks vintage. Yeah, it does. Um, everyone's just got that, like, weird, like, early 2000s style, you know. Everyone's got spiked hair. <laughs> Spike me hair. Do you remember you go to the barbers? It would be like... Yeah. I'll cut your hair, lad. Do you want it spiked? 
<laughs> just, he would just chuck loads of blue gel into your hair and you would have a greasy forehead. Yeah, horrible. Disgusting. Um, yeah, the, you know, I mean, Jack Black's costume is like his character anyway. It's a little bit out there. He wears bow ties. It's flowery shirts. It's You could you know. wear that to a Halloween costume and people would know who you were. That's yeah. how good his costume is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, not... I'd, not really. I mean, the car, you see like his van and the cars and everything around. But The soundtrack helps not date it as well because they, he doesn't reference rock music of that decade. Like he doesn't talk mm-hmm. about, you know, Foo Fighters or kind of um, any, so, any sort of like rock music of the, of the 2000s. Yeah. Like, Lincoln Park. He, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, <yeah>. Nickelback. <laughs> he he yeah. talks about, yeah, Deep Purple. The Who, the the Doors, like all this stuff from the seventies, which is like it's it's timeless, right? Particularly by this point in time, it's timeless. Um, but yeah, if you only solely reference music of that, like the past ten years, you'd go, all right, yeah, this is from two thousands. Yeah, there would be a there would be the shot of him running with the guitars, and it would be woohoo. <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's aged, if it has aged, it's aged perfectly. Damn right. Like Jennifer Connolly. I was just um <laughs> I was just the top 100 rock tracks, rock and roll songs of 2003. Let me guess, the Strokes, Strokes have been there, the Radiohead. Yeah, they're on. Um, yeah, uh, yeah food- White Stripes oh, Seven Nation oh, Army God. came out in 2003. Um Hey mate, to be fair, 2003 was pretty good for some yeah, reason it like, was. wasn't it? I mean, Nickelback are just like all over this list. Chili Peppers can't stop. Oh, that's good. Is on it. Chili Pepper. That's a good song. Wasn't this like the time of like Busted and stuff as well? Like for for adolescent adolescents, right? And that was that was very yeah. similar in tone to like School of Rock. If I remember, you know, in terms of the way they played the guitars and they jumped about, and it was quite um yeah um yeah light light rock, wasn't it? I'll have to put pop rock in because this is like. Rock. I think this is more on the American list. So we've got uh, we've got Jet. Are you going to be my girl? That's a good one. Two thousand and three. Oh, yes. That's da, a tune. Da, 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 oh da, man, da, da, I miss two thousands. <laughs> Some forty one. Oh, like to be yeah. fair, class. Yeah. <laughs> two thousand three was such a great year for movie for music. I really miss guitar bands. Like for for the past ten years, like guitar music just hasn't been the mainstream and hasn't that hasn't been a lot produced. It's been all it's all just auto tuned. <laughs> like Well, rock music itself is no longer pop music, isn't it? So yeah. like at the minute into twenty twenty one, it's kinda like R and B rap, like weird mumble rap. But it's no longer like, yeah, four people, two guys, a, a, you know, a guitar, bass, and drums. It's, it's, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm sounding really old, but I do miss that kind of. Uh, <laughs> you miss yeah. the Kaiser Chiefs, man. <laughs> yeah. I do miss that uh, classic you rock mi- band. You miss the ordinary boys. <laughs> Number 87 on this list for some reason Girls Allowed Jump Tune. To be fair. To a tune. tune. Proper tune. Not like. That's it. Is, is that not like a cover of Van Halen now? No. They're two different songs. Outcast, Here Yeah. Here Yeah. Which, Here Yeah, tune. Absolute, absolute tune, that. Can he good? Aye. I'll get the Spotify 2003 (laughs) playlist uh, ready for the studio. (laughs) 2003 was when we got some of the latest stuff from Fatboy Slim. Yeah. Uh Gorillaz. Gorillaz, yeah. Uh Massive. 2003 one, good. Anyway, who was, who was the Sebastian star of the film? The guy who was completely pointless. You could rip him out of the plot of this film. 
and nothing would change. Just like Sebastian Stan played a character in The Martian and he was pointless. And also Logan Lucky. <laughs> and Logan Lucky, yeah. <laughs> Which I missed. I was good that I missed that podcast because I was just, I watched it. I was like, because he were, that was, <laughs> it was, that was we went meta. We <laughs> like, I was going to wait until who was going to get it first, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, man. Was there a Sebastian Stan in this film? It, what would be great if Sebastian Stan was like a, a, one of the kids, you know, as a younger kid. One of the kids. <laughs> and yeah. we just didn't yeah. know he was in it. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I think, no, I think, as we've said, each character has the moment in this. No, well, the problem with a film like this is you've got a classroom full of kids. So if the, if for the script to make sense, you need to have at least 15 kids or something like that, right? Because if you've only got seven kids because that's all you need for the plot, then that's, it doesn't make, you know, it, it's suddenly unrealistic because no classroom would have seven kids in, even if it is a private school. So you've got to have, uh, how many kids do you think, think was in that class? 12? 12, 12, 15, yeah. I would yeah. say six of them were had a bigger, like bigger storylines. They were in the band plus some of the manager. And so probably six mm -hmm. of the kids, although they had their moments, they you could have, you know, in theory, removed some of them. And you're like, that, you know, would, the film would have been fine without them. Like the security guys. Well, I think actually with the security guys, so you've got the um, the kind of bully looking guy and then the small little kid, and he has a really good moment, the little kid, um, when Jack Black's actually saying, okay, what do you not like? So someone says, tests. He says, bullies. And this is clearly like giving him confidence to do with that because he's mentioning it. And he's, uh, he's, yeah. only, he's only mentioning it because he gets bullied. You know, what do you not like? Well, bullies and stuff. So I even think, you know, the security guys, it's like, that that has the moment. I mean, the guy just like, there's one guy obviously who programs all of the, uh, all of the light show and stuff. And yeah. like you only really see what he's doing at the very end, <laughs> but without him in the classroom, it's like you just don't get. I mean, the graphics look class. I think um, when it's like uh, changing colours and stuff, it's I thought, I thought yeah. it was really good. I mean, I know he didn't make them the kids, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you never know. Yeah, he acted like he well, did. We did. He acted we, well. I know he did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we know it. But <laughs> a cast of dozens of people. Yeah, definitely. No Sebastian Stan. In fact, this film is completely and utterly anti-Sebastian Stan. Not the yeah, actor, yeah. he's a great actor, mm -hmm. but anti-pointless character. Yeah. Is Matt Damon in this? Uh, no. No? Okay. No. Uh, filmmaking cliches. What was the cliche we, we had the earlier? Substitute teacher. Like the sub substitute teacher. A substitute yeah. teacher plot gets put into something. Yeah. Did you notice any other filmmaking cliches in uh, this? Well, you've got cliches like, oh, you've got the shy kid who's secretly really good at singing. Um, I th you know, you've yeah. seen kind of tropes of that before. Uh, you've got the, the cliche of the teacher itself, like you say, like that kind of selfish teacher um, learning to care for themselves along the way. Um, like, you know, not, yeah, not really knowing what, what impact they're having on the classroom until the end and things like that. You know, the cliche of like um, the kid just wants to play a guitar and the dad says no. You know, and it's just like, well, why? Why are you saying no to him actually having something like extracurriculum activity? So I do think that this, yeah, this film isn't free from cliches and it is in some ways quite generic and formulaic in terms of the way the story is being told, but it's just, they execute it perfectly that you, you kind of, you forgive it and you don't really see it as much as other films. It's a formula spiced so well 
with the perfect amount of seasoning <laughs> and sauce <laughs> and just beautiful dressings all over. Oh, mate, I'm like, really you know, hungry. <laughs> you might be eating a chicken, but it's a hunter's chicken with barbecue sauce and mm. bacon and Jack Black going, yeah! Yep. Class. Is it in the Matrix? Is it in the Terminator? No. No, this is too good. This is, you know, this is better than the Matrix. <laughs> it's definitely better than the Terminator. Mate, it's um, better than literally every single film ever created. It is, yeah. It's definitely going <laughs> to be moon, top... Not Moon, though. <laughs> not Moon. Not it's, Moon, though. It's definitely going to be top five, along with the other 50 films. Yeah. I feel like, after watching it again, and especially after talking about it today, it needs to sit in the top five, along with the other 20 films. Yeah. yeah if you haven't seen this film, like, so this is 2003, if you didn't see it when you were a kid, um, and you just, like, watch it for the first time, you go, oh, it's Jack Black, it's Netflix, it looks like a fun romp. Um, you gotta be, you're gonna love it. Like yeah, people are going to love thing, it. That's the thing, isn't it? You're still gonna love it. Mm-hmm. And Aye. you know, it's even if you watch it like five, six, seven, eight, nine times, it's like you still love it. So I only yeah. watched this a month ago, and then you suggested it because I, I just wanted something like easy to watch. And I was just, ah, this is good. I, I remember this being really, really good and I ended up watching it again. Part of my job, I organise cinema screenings in the city centre. All right, calm down, bloody boy. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> so we put up a big screen. All right. You, what are you, oh, you, part, you got the key of the city, do you, Mr. Mayor over here? <laughs> so, I, yeah, I put up a big screen and, um, you know, like, you know, 50 chairs or whatever and put on free uh, films. And yeah, I scheduled this film last year. Well, the year before, because it was COVID last year. And uh, it was such a fun evening, like watching it on the big screen outdoors. And mm. it, yeah, obviously a hit because everyone likes it. I think the reason it's a hit because it does work with kids and with adults as well. It's probably because of Richard Linklater and his um, background in making indie films for adults, right? Um, he's not patronizing uh, with his messaging, which this film could have been. Yeah. Right? So I, I do think his background and the type of films that he normally made um, is probably a reason for that and you can feel his direction with jack black as well the way that he talks to the kids is unpatronizing yeah, yeah. i think them paired together to make this family friendly uh fun rom it's not it doesn't it's, it's it doesn't perfect. alienate the kids i mean it doesn't alienate the adults um and it's also appealing to the kids as well it's like it's a really fine balance that it just pulls off let's just say because we talked about shrek as if these were two films put on the same podium as much as i love shrek Shrek has timed like milk. Is mm-hmm. aged like milk. Yeah. School of Rock no, is I, I, I love Shrek. But watching it again, the references, unlike this film, are all around the 2000s. Like, it references yeah. music from the time, films from the time, like p- political yeah. events from the time. And it's, it's, still, it's, still really, it's still really funny. But like 20 years later, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But that's not really the case now. I've just... Um just looked up the uh, the budget for this. So this was had a thirty five million budget, which I think I'm just trying to flick through is uh, is like his most the most money he's ever had to spend on his film. Right. Yeah. So this was his Hollywood film, which thirty five million for like a big movie. Yeah, it made um, is, isn't an awful lot. One hundred and thirty one, so hundred million Ooh. nearly. So he, he, you know, hopefully he got a good yeah. back end of that. They made a kind of, I kind hope of, bit of so. money. Yeah. It's funny to think that he was he was making this, and then he would go and uh, meet up with Ethan Hawke and and everyone again and continue to yeah yeah it's like it's the the next year yeah the 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 next before comes out after this it does and that was you know 
the second one, I think, was more of a risk than the first one in the before trilogy because, you know, it was so unknown in the first one. And then you, you're going to bring these characters back together. You're not seeing them much, have you? So they're, no. they're my favourite films. I, I, I like, this is, this is my favourite Richard Linklater film but only because it's just so completely different. Like, you can't really compare the two films. Um, yeah. It's certainly the most rewatchable, just because it's easy watch. But I, I, I do love all of his films. And I, yeah, I can't recommend them enough. I watched Boyhood a few months ago, and it's it's one of the few films that, as soon as I finished it, I just had instant withdrawal symptoms from it, and I yeah. had to, like, sit and just, like, contemplate my own life. It was so weird, like... He executed it. You know, everyone has this big plan of, oh, well, we're going to shoot it like in real time. Yet he still managed to craft like an absolute utter masterpiece. Yeah. Like if anyone's not seen Boyhood, you need to give it a watch. Like it'll make you give up as a filmmaker because it's perfect. The that's a, that, I had a similar feeling when I watched before, the before trilogy. So I watched them made last year, I think for the first time. And I watched them one night after another and they made nine years apart as well. And... You kind of you kind of just watch them and knowing the fact that it's not improv. If you watch it, you think it is, but it's really not. It's well scripted, it's well rehearsed, and um, you kind of watch them. And I was I was sad that I didn't that I, I'd, I'd watch them because I, I just wanted to watch them again. I wanted to have that first experience again because I didn't know anything about them and everything. And it was like I'm gonna try and leave some time in between watching them again. Each and each film gives you something completely different as well. Despite the fact that yeah. these same characters, I think they're making a fourth one. You know, I think it's rumored. I've I've it heard is. it. Yeah, I've seen a few articles saying you know fourth one could be in the works and things like that. I think they're going to join the Avengers. Oh, okay. in, the <laughs> in phase in five. No, I think yeah. I think it's a perfect trilogy. I don't want them to do another one, but I did say that about Indiana Jones and look what happened there. You know, all your fault, Rob. All your fault. Yeah, all my fault. I've got it. Um, <laughs> So Richard Lindlaker, basically, he understands the heart of human interaction, doesn't he? He does, yeah. He gets it. He, he gets people. Yeah, he gets people. It's all characters as well. It's all characters. Yeah. It is. A character complexity, people who are... He understands that people are complicated and people aren't good or bad. Things aren't black and white. On that note, uh, what do you call a rock that never goes to school? Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, a skipping stone. <laughs> Get in. Could there be a sequel? I've literally had that since, like, the very beginning of the podcast. Since 2016. I put, I put like, because I was trying to find rock puns, and I put, it's not, I should have put rock and roll puns. This is just a rock pun, but it was out of school in it, so hey, it all works. All comes back. Could there be a sequel? Do you want there to be a sequel? Or do you just, don't touch it. Don't touch it with a barge pole. It's good as it is. Well, I suppose you could say that the musical is a sequel, isn't it? Or is that just yeah. a remake? The musical is a remake. Yeah, I mean, they could they could remake this with, uh, you know, different casts, but uh, Jack Black makes it. If they were going to re uh, like uh, have a sequel, um, they would have to bring the cast back, you know, and all the musicians and, you know, is it Jack Black's... Coaching them or something, or something happens to one of them, and they all got to come back. That would be too sad, though. Have it? you seen? Uh, they, they they did some reunions a few years ago where they play the uh, song again. Have you watched that? It's it's a good. Oh, really, mate? It's so weird. You say about the reunion a few years ago. It's ten years ago. That no, happened. it's not. Where they play ten on years stage. Ago yeah. That happened. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that was ten years ago. <laughs> oh god, mm, getting old, madness, horrible, isn't it? 
Yeah, two thousand two thousand thirteen. No way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what? What's that? Eight years ago. Yeah, so I'll give it a watch. It's a good. It's a good watch. Yeah. I. If you if you're feeling withdrawal from school of rock, definitely give it a watch. Right. Any more trivia, fun facts, or fan theories? Are we all going to read from IMDb now? <laughs> I saw this the other day when I was scrolling through um, Instagram, and just coincidentally. It popped up. You know, the, the kid, one of the singers, the little girls, the blonde one, Yeah, uh, she married uh, the security guard, you know, the the kind of, the, the, the bigger guy. The chubby one. Uh, oh, nice. They're now together yeah. in real life. I'm like, that's quite, that's quite nice that's and heartwarming to think about, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> that's the sequel we needed. Yeah. Come on. They're all, they're all tw- like 28, 29 now. <laughs> so, which is it? <laughs> Mad that. Right. Overall direction. Everything pieced together. We've got performance. We've got the look of the film. We've got the set direction. 11 out of 10. 11 out of 10. Yeah, Dan, I, I think uh, we're all in agreement this this week, aren't we? It's a, it's a brilliant film and it's perfect. And that's why this pod is only an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can't complain about it. Uh, one last question. Was this a Scorsese film? Eh? Is this a new one? Yeah. What's that one again? Can't remember that. Well, when we were doing the Wolf of Wall Street, um, we confirmed this is a Scorsese film. <laughs> All right, okay, yeah. this, the Wolf of Wall Street, it's a Scorsese film. Uh, so the question is, is this a Scorsese film? No. No. And I would, you know what, he would just mess it up. And I, yep, I just said it. Yep. He couldn't make this film. <laughs> if, the, if the kids started, you know, became gangsters on the side... Uh, gets gets Scorsese gets Scorsese in. No, you would just have like it would be Robert De Niro trying to play the guitar. I don't know if he can in real life. He, he, he might do, but he won't be able to do it as good as Jack Black. And they'll cut to like someone else's yeah. hands playing the instead guitar. of instead of Jack Black, uh, Robert De Niro would come in as the sub. And instead of like a battle of the bands, he'd be like forming a heist or something with the kids uh, to rob a bank. Hey, that sounds really good, <laughs> Rich. Um, that's like your film isn't it I'm literally writing that right now <laughs> yeah. so if Martin, Marty wants to direct that you let him wouldn't you <laughs> uh, if he wants to buy it off yeah. us for like a million quid I'll sell it yeah. um, right well if you want to reach us thefilmluck at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter and instagram at thefilmluck we've got a youtube channel called the Film Look where we drop filmmaker knowledge bombs based on the short films we make and um Aye, that was canny. I'm going to, I think it's my turn next time. I'm going to have to pick something like really crap so we can get like this, this like. Uh, well, I mean, if you want to, we could do Moon again. Moon again. <laughs> oh, he did it. <laughs> yep. We'll do this. Yeah, that's also a perfect film. Yeah. The thing is, right, I would, like, I want to do the before one of the befores would have to be the trilogy but I'm so I'm so worried Richard like proper bashing <laughs> are you sure I watched Blue Jay the other day and I really liked it ah Blue Jay is class yeah so if that's anywhere close yeah it's, it's I love similar. Blue Jay similar. so when I'm picking films yeah. there's films that are my favourites that I absolutely love um, but I avoid them doing for the podcast because I just don't want to talk about because I just I like them so much that I know that the conversation wouldn't go well and I don't want to talk about the kind of faults in it 
Um, I'll I'll really like uh, Atonement. Like it's one of uh, it's just class. It's so good, but I just don't want to. Mention it's on my it. Netflix list. Is this? I'll give that a watch. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, one of my favorites is Eternal Sunshine, and I think that's a, a great film. And it's got lots of things we can talk about, but I just don't want to talk about it with you. To be honest, it's like quite a personal <laughs> film. <laughs> and the same and the same with the Before trilogy. I'm like I don't want to touch it. Yeah, I don't want I don't want anyone to <laughs> like point something out and spoil it. Like, <laughs> have we have we ruined this? <laughs> yeah, we have. We have. <laughs> We're so worried. <laughs> uh, I mean, the the thing is, with every with every film, there's always good and bad things about us. Apart from Skull from- of Rock, yeah. I mean, and Moon, yeah, and and Moon, uh, Moon Two, yeah. Um, I'm sure we're, we're, there is there is technically a sequel to Moon, so we should probably steal that. Oh, that oh, that's meant to be bad, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's where you draw the line. <laughs> it's meant to be bad, and it's got and it's got Paul Rudd in. Like that's unheard of. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. How can they make a bad yeah. film with Paul Rudd in? Okay. Um, bye. Right, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs>